Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Mazak, Ferrerinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusito, Happy Kokomo Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on September 23rd. He is Scott White, I am Frank Stanfield, and today on the show, we've got two days of baseball to recap. Zach Wheeler and Luis Severino are back. We've got a few prospect promotions, do they matter? And Week 26 Sleepers. Scott, before we even get into the action, I did notice that your Week 26 Sleepers are for basically the final week and a half, right? So yeah. And why is it? Yeah. 10 days. And why is it like that? Just asking. Uh, because I, I assume that's the last scoring period in most leagues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd imagine for most head to head leagues, Roto lineups, you probably still set twice. I would imagine next week. And then the short week after that. So it's weird because we're playing three extra days of baseball, Monday, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday into October because of uh, the holdout because we, we got started a little bit later. So that's why it's kind of like the schedule is broken down weird this this late in the season. But in case you're wondering, that's why uh, we won't have our yeah. full allotment of, uh, you know, fortune favors the brave and all those kind of fun things because. Um, yeah, it is, it is abnormal for the season to end on a Wednesday. It pretty much always ends on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, obviously that that goes back to the to the lockout and them having to start the season later. That means an extra series was, was tacked on to the end. And so that's why we get kind of this awkward finish, but that's, that's a good point. Let me check. Okay. So I'm checking my Roto leagues here because yeah, there would be, I mean, look, even in a head to head league, you could make one three day scoring period at the end or just eliminate those three games altogether. True. I am checking, though, to see... Let's see. I'm not finding this very easily. Advanced Schedule Editor. Let's look at that. Okay, so even in even in Roto Leagues, at least on CBS, it looks like the default is to have that be just one long scoring period at the end. All right, fair enough. So that is the reason why we're doing it that way. And that means most, not all, but most pitchers will have two starts next week. Let's get into uh, the past couple days of baseball. Oh, my goodness! Gracious. All right, Scott, you are up. We were talking beforehand, and you have chosen the Olive Garden breadstick. Who is it? It's Kyle Bradish. Oh, yeah. Kyle Bradish. Had another great start. He's he's had a few of these lately. It was against the Astros. Uh, came within and out of a two-hit shutout. It only ended up making it eight and two-thirds innings. Did not allow a run. Struck out 10 against, again against the Astros of all teams. 
despite having 10 strikeouts, he only had 11 swinging strikes, which, you know, isn't, isn't particularly impressive. And his swinging strike rate for the year isn't particularly impressive either. But now, in his past six starts, Kyle Bradish has a 164 ERA and a 0.78 whip. Only seven strikeouts per nine innings. So, I'm generally reluctant to buy into a pitcher who um, is bad at strikeouts. Like, you can be just okay at strikeouts and, and maybe be good, but to, to, to be not very good at strikeouts, like, generally, the only way you get away with that in the modern game is um, you're either exceptional at generating ground balls and or an exceptional strike thrower. And so far, Bradish has been... Neither of those. You look at his numbers in the minor leagues, though. Um, so we only got six starts there this year. But last year, 11.8K per nine between double A and triple A. Uh, let me see if I can look up the swinging strike rate real quick. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes strikeout rates can be deceptively high or low in the minors. So, okay, and in, in between, in, in the minors last year, yeah, it was only an 11% swinging strike rate, so that's interesting, even though he had a, more than 11K per nine. Mm. And I should point out also his whip was really high last year in the minors uh, because the walks were so high. So control issues here with Kyle Bradish, not an exceptional... He's, he's pretty... He's, he's okay at ground balls, but it's, it's not like... It's not like he's a standout in that area. I, I'm not seeing a lot to get excited about here, even even though he's had the success of late. There will come a point, like if this if this spills over into next year, if he continues to do things like this, where I'm going to have to take him seriously in spite of that. But right now, I'm 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 not uh, I'm not particularly motivated to uh, move Kyle Bradish way up the rankings or anything like that. Shout out to the Orioles, man. What they've done with their pitching staff this year, I know the alterations to the ballpark definitely have helped in that regard, but that's that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, you, you don't turn around this drastically just by moving the wall back, but uh, yeah, a, a lot of their pitchers have turned out to be fantasy viable, you know, mostly as streamers throughout the course of the season, uh, but Kyle Bradish, yeah, once again, amazing in this start against the Astros, and I did have numbers over the last six starts, Scott. 1.65 yep. ERA. Um, I already gave him. Oh, there you go. Look at you. You give him again. No, no, no. I may not have been listening to No, me. it's it's fine. It's fine. I should have been listening to you. That's <laughs> the problem. But um, I do find it kind of interesting that despite having a, a pretty solid swinging strike rate during that stretch, he's not getting more strikeouts. You know, sometimes it happens that way for pitchers. Like maybe they're sequencing. You know, they just can't finish batters off in that way. But uh, I, I think, you know, based on his swinging strike rate, maybe we should see a little bit more strikeouts from Kyle Bradish. He is 21% rostered and his last two starts at the Red Sox and at the Yankees. So while, again, amazing start, not sure that I want to trust Kyle Bradish with those two matchups in the final week of the season. So maybe you can do it in like deeper leagues, but your traditional 12 team or points leagues, probably not uh, adding Kyle Bradish there. Oh my goodness gracious for me is one Colton Wong, three for four with a triple dong here on Thursday, which brings him to 15 home runs. He also has 15 steals on the season. He's been Colton Wong, rock solid middle infielder, hits around 250. Again, little pop, little speed. I thought he would have had better counting stats, frankly, because uh, I thought the Brewers were going to be a lot better. Uh, don't tell anybody, but they were one of my World Series picks coming into the season. Not great, um, but he is 78% rostered. Could be out there in some shallower leagues, Scott. Uh, let's say 12-team points league. Uh, he's available. Is he someone that maybe you would look to add in a shallower format for this final week and a half? <sighs> okay, so let me look at the matchups here for the Brewers. Kind of middling. Yeah, they're not in your best or worst matchups, so I was going to ask you where they kind of rank in that mm -hmm. mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, there are other second base eligible players I'd recommend ahead of Colton Wong if you're looking for them and and and, and if you're looking for one and we'll get to them a little bit later in the show. You know, he's he's an 
use it 78% rostered. I, I think that basically sums it up. That's that's the kind of player he is where uh, it'd have to be a pretty deep league for me to call him a must starter, even must rostered. But at the same time, you could do a lot worse. I was so surprised, Scott, to see that Whit Merrifield was still rostered in 80% of CBS leagues. Yeah. I know he was drafted early, but the guy has not been playing consistently now. That might change because Santiago Espinal went on the IL and Whit Merrifield did hit a double dong here on Thursday. So uh, maybe he could finish out strong, but man, I was surprised to see he was still rostered in that many leagues. Let's just say, you know, final uh, week and a half here. Would you rather have Colton Wong or Whit Merrifield? I would rather have Colton Wong because at least he plays with some regularity. Yeah, I mean, Whit Merrifield, I, I wrote about him in a Dynasty Stockwatch the other day and he's not a young guy, so maybe it's... Weird to write about him in a dynasty stock watch, but I, I mean, I, I just think what Merrifield's done as a fantasy as, asset. I mean, maybe, maybe at some point next year he'll be kind of a, he'll get enough playing time that he could be, I don't know, like a fifteen-team steal specialist. But I don't think he's going to play enough to be this like integral part of a fantasy lineup. The, the blue the Blue Jays just don't seem to have that kind of use for him, and he's not at an age where they're going to take a longer look at him next year if they're not using him in that role now. Hmm. The Blue Jays will have a 2023 club option on Whit Merrifield, and his base salary is $2.75 million, which is pretty low, uh, with $4 million worth of incentive. So I think he'll wind up back with Toronto, but maybe it's not a guarantee. Uh, we'll see what happens here in the offseason for Whit Merrifield. Let's talk more about some waiver wire pitcher, Scott. We uh, mentioned Kyle Bradish here up at the top. I think the uh, other two names that really stand out, just from a shallow league perspective, Hunter Green, strong start once again against the Brewers. He went five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts in that one. 21 swinging strikes, 16 coming on the fastball. He is 70% rostered and looks like his final two starts at the Pirates and home against the Cubs. Marcus Stroman is the other one. Again, shallow league, 65% rostered. I uh, did turn in a quality start on Wednesday against the Marlins. He went six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts. And in 14 starts since returning to the Cubs, I believe he was on the IL before that, a 2.87 ERA, 1.14 whip for Marcus Stroman. So he has, I know he's had some ups and downs, but overall the collective is, he's been pretty good uh, dating back to July or so. Scott, who would you rather have? Hunter Green, Marcus Stroman, and I don't know, so. Kyle Bradish in that mix. Would he rank over either of those? Oh, no. Those two would definitely be ahead of him. In fact, Hunter Green and uh, Marcus Stroman are both among my sleeper pitchers for next week. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Green, like these two starts off the IL, he's looked as good as he has all year. In fact, uh, well, I know the 11 strikeouts last time out was – his new high and uh, follows it up with an eight strikeout performance. I mean, in five innings, that's really good. And then he gets two amazing matchups the final week of the season. I'm presuming you're treating it like one long scoring period. You mentioned pirates and Cubs. Now there is some uncertainty how the reds are going to handle their rotation. They could go six man with Graham Ashcraft coming back. I suspect they won't that they'll bump either, um, uh, either Chase Anderson or uh, Luis, former Yankee. What's his name? Luis, Luis Sessa. Uh, yeah, Luis Sessa. They'll bump one of them is my suspicion. But it's possible Green doesn't make that first start against the Pirates and instead he makes two starts against the Cubs. That'd still be really favorable. All right, I do have four other names here. More so for deeper leagues, Scott, but Mitch Keller turned in another quality start against the Cubs. He went six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts in that one, 29% rostered. Jordan Lyles threw a complete game against the Tigers on Wednesday. He allowed three hits, one run, six strikeouts, and even with that, his ERA is 4.50 on the season. Uh, he's 36% rostered. James Kaprilian has allowed two earned runs or fewer in five of his last six starts. The one that he didn't, he allowed eight earned runs. So I'm um, not sure that we are in love with James Caprillion. And then Hayden Wisniewski, he's looked very good so far for the Cubbies. Uh, came over in the, I want to say the Scott Efros trade with the Yankees. And he went six and a third, two runs allowed, six strikeouts. And he's just 11% rostered. He's got more so deeper yeah. leagues than anything, but 
you like any of these? Mitch Keller, Jordan Lyles, James Caprillion, Hayden Wisniewski. You know, I don't think I like any of them for next week. I'm uh, double-checking what Keller's matchups are. I have the Reds and Cardinals. Yeah, those aren't... Well, Cardinals are pretty tough. You know, pretty good matchup in there, pretty bad matchup in there. Uh, I, I think, I think he's usable. You know, he's had five straight quality starts now. This is Mitch Keller we're talking about. Five straight quality starts. It's with a 203 ERA, an even one whip, and an even strikeout per inning. And just you know, pretty good numbers. It's one of the best stretches we've ever seen from Mitch Keller. But he does pitch for the Pirates, and, you know, he's Mitch Keller. <laughs> he's yeah. driven us crazy all year. I, I don't, you know, I'd rather not be in a position where I have to even consider him, and he isn't among my 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. But he is possibly trending a good direction here. Uh, if if we think about him maybe being an asset of some on some level in 2023. Hayden Wesneski is maybe the most exciting of this group. Again, not so much for the last week of the season, but just in terms of, you know, he's he's reached the majors and has looked really good right away. Now, when you look at the underlying numbers, the things I like to lean on, like ground ball rate and swinging strike rate and and all of that, they, there's not a lot that stands out there. And even in the minors, it, it, he wasn't, a big strikeout pitcher, but the scouting reports seemed more seemed they, they expressed an optimism beyond the production that I think has to be factored in with Hayden Wesneski, especially as he's finding success. I'll also mention here, James Caprillion because he has had back to back good starts and an arsenal change during that time, throwing his uh, his slider more. That may, you know, there may be something to it. I'm, I'm sorry, that wasn't the arsenal change. He actually has been throwing a sinker more and uh, dispensing with the four-seamer, and he's had some vulnerability to the long ball, so that kind of switch might make sense for James Caprillion. And... I mention him also because he has two good matchups. Final week of the season, Angels and Mariners. Wasn't good enough to get him in my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week, but it at least had him on the fringes. So if you're in a deep league or really desperate for volume, I don't I don't like James Caprillion that much, but you could at least think about it. You know, talking about his pitch mix reminded me a point I wanted to make about Kyle Bradish is at least in this start, he completely faded his fastball, and he went heavy into right. his slider and his curveball, um, and he did increase his sinker usage. So um, if nothing else, that, that slider is, looks like a pretty pretty good pitch for Kyle Bradish, but uh, we'll see if he can obviously build off that down the stretch here. Uh, I did want to ask you about Dustin May, Scott. We got an email asking about whether you know we need to hold on to Dustin May for his final two starts, which looks like they're at the Padres and home against the Rockies. So... Frankly, pretty good matchups, but uh, he has not been good himself. He gave up five runs over four innings pitched against the Diamondbacks, and now in six starts, Dustin May has a 4.50 ERA. The FIP, the XFIP, both over four as well. He's walking way too many batters, over four walks per nine. What do you think about Dustin May? Do we have to hold him, or can we maybe drop him for a Hunter Green or Marcus Stroman set? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather start either of those two in the final week than, than Dustin May. I, I do think there is some danger of you dropping him, somebody else picking him up and getting two great starts out of him. But, you know, you only have so much roster space. And if you have a better use for that spot, I think I think it's okay to drop Dustin May. Just I'll, not in a position where we can trust him right now. I'll tell you what to do, Scott. You drop him on Sunday night so that he can't yeah. be picked up by another team. If you want to drop Dustin May, that is. Let's talk, let's talk about a few other waiver wire hitters. Colton Wong, obviously, we mentioned 78% rostered. I have a few other shallow league names. Josh Donaldson showing some signs of life here down the stretch. He went three for five with a run and an RBI. His last 15 games, he's hitting 276 with three homers and an 824 OPS. He's 68% rostered. Taylor Ward also coming back to life. His last 15 games hitting 377, two home runs, a 980 OPS. 67% rostered for him. And Joey Two Hits, 
That's right. Joey Manessis, he went two for four with his 10th home run on Wednesday, now batting 328 with 927, uh, a 927 OPS. So you know what, Scott? You could take your tough matchups, and Joey Manessis is going to mm-hmm. mash against everyone. It doesn't matter who they are. Uh, he continues is, to clean up all of our messes. He is Manessis. 51% rostered. Uh, how would you rank those three, Scott? I guess just for the final week and a half. Donaldson, Taylor Ward, Joey Manessis. Well, I actually have ranked them for the final week because two of them are in my 10 sleeper hitters and one was slightly left out. So I rank them Joey Manessis. Again, the matchups aren't great, but he's hitting 328 with a 927 OPS. So I'm kind of wondering if we should just give him the stud treatment at this point, even though he's only 51% rostered. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a stud for next year or anything, but like, he just continues to get it done. So, Joey Manessis won. Taylor Ward with this strong finish and really good matchups for the Angels next week. So, they're playing nine games, six of them against the A's, and the other three against the Rangers. Mm, nice. And the Yankees have pretty good matchups next week, too. But Josh Donaldson missed the cut just, just slightly. All right. Well, speaking of those Yankees, I do have three names in deeper leagues. And... Oswaldo Cabrera is coming to life recently as well. He went two for five with a grand slam on Wednesday. That was his third home run of the season. He added five RBI in that game. He's 9% rostered. He's got second base and outfield eligibility. Matt Wallner, someone who kind of snuck under the radar here, Scott. I missed this one. Apologies. The Twins' number five prospect in their organization. He was called up last week, and he's playing pretty well. Seven games so far. He's hit 320, one homer, an 890 OPS. Pretty strong. Numbers in the minors as well this season. He's only 2% rostered. The name there, Matt Wallner. And Edward Olivares, who I don't know what the guy needs to do to just get a chance, but it looks like he's getting a chance once again. Uh, I feel like every time this happens and he plays well, the Royals just find a way to send him back down. But he hit his fourth home run and has started uh, five straight, has at least one hit in each of those games. So any interest, Scott, again, deep leagues, five outfielder, 15 teams, something like that. Oswaldo Cabrera, Matt Wallner, and... Edward Olivares. You know, I wrote about Matt Waltner, Walner in, in the final prospects report, which was um, no-name prospects for deeper dynasty leagues. That's how I kind of framed it, and I included Walner in there. And I hadn't noticed he was called up either. I, <laughs> I just flew under the I, radar, right? Just... <laughs> I think maybe the, like a lot of the news aggregators out there have uh, – devoted a lot of their resources to football or something. So, so baseball is just right. getting short shrift and that's because Matt Walner is not the only one I've noticed that with. It's like, Oh, that's, that's actually a prospect I've heard of. Why did I not hear about him getting called up? But yeah, Walner is, um, again, he's a no name prospect for deeper dynasty leagues, really good power, really good walk rate. A lot of strikeouts. It's like a, it's it's kind of like an Adam Dunn sort of profile. And Adam Dunn had a you know long career of fantasy relevance. He was kind of a punchline at times, but he was a quality fantasy option for a long time. And uh, I'm not saying Matt Wallner is going to live up to that, but that's the kind of profile he has. He hit two despite hitting two seventy seven. He had a four twelve on base percentage in the minors. Uh, Twenty seven home runs in 128 games. And I, I think he was ended his time in the minors on a tear. Um, let me double check that. So I was pretty interested in him as the season wound down. Uh, but, you know, is, am I going to recommend him for the final week of the season? It'd have to be like a pretty deep five outfielder league for me to think about it. Twins matchups aren't bad. They're not particularly good either. Mm. But he has been playing every day, Walner. Walner, since being called up. So in nine, 13 September games in, I just said September, in AAA rather, uh, Matt Walner hit 333 with two homers and an 1100 OPS. So yeah, he was pretty hot down the stretch. A name that you can look at in deeper five outfielder leagues. Again, Matt Walner with the Twins. And I do have some other prospects here, Scott. Ezekiel Tovar does indeed get the call by the Colorado Rockies. The problem is that He's going to fin- finish out the rest of this week in Coors Field, but if you play in a weekly league, you're not going to get any of that. And then the Rockies don't have any more home games after this, so yep. I don't know how excited we should be about this, but uh, Tovar, a great prospect. You know, I think like a top 
10, top 20 fantasy prospect, uh, considered by many people at this point. He hit 316 with 14 homers, 17 steals in 71 games between AA and AAA. Uh, do you have any interest, Scott, in adding Ezekiel Sovar? It would have to be a pretty deep league and probably a daily lineup league, I think, for me to devote a roster spot to him. You know, not only are we not going to see him at Coors Field, which maybe isn't that big of a deal because he's such a high-end prospect and he hasn't played at Coors Field yet, so he's not going to have that that Coors hangover. You know, He's not going to suffer from that mm-hmm. at this stage of his... You know, This might be the only time in his career where he's, he's not going to feel that influence. So... It may go fine, but you know, then you run into the fact. Okay, you're you're in the most important time of the year. You're putting a guy with who you haven't seen play a major league game yet in the lineup, and we don't even know how much the Rockies are going to play him. Like, he's is he here to become their shortstop, or do they just kind of want to let him get a feel for what it's like to be in the majors? Maybe they'll play him two or three times down the stretch. You know, we don't really know. So it's just. It's just happening too late to care, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, he was promoted on Thursday, not in the lineup. So there's nothing more Rockies than them calling up one of their top prospects and then not playing him down the stretch. So that would not surprise me either. We know that they have, have, uh, they have fumbled many young players over the past couple of seasons. A few other names here, Scott, and ones that I do know that you like because we spoke about them on FBT in five. Miles Mastroboni is with the Tampa Bay Rays and Will Brennan, an outfielder with the Guardians. They were both called up here. Not sure how much either one is going to play. Yep. Yep. Will Brennan was another one I missed. Yeah. I just noticed that today. Oh, when did they call him up? How did I miss that? He was yeah. Both of these players, so Master Buoni and, and Will Brennan uh, of, the, of the Guardians, not to be confused with Will Benson, who's another outfielder who was promoted earlier this year. Brennan is better. I think and he, he went two for four in his, his debut, uh, kind of a Stephen Kwan profile. I, I, I have a feeling that's a comp I'm going to make with a lot of players <laughs> over the years. I made it for Sal Freelick of the Brewers before too. It's basically means really good contact skills and enough speed to be a factor in stolen bases. And, uh, you know, the limited ceiling with that profile, but potential to be a useful fantasy player. Uh, if he plays enough, but you know, that's still, that's still a big, if I, I think these guys, all of these guys are coming up too late for us to really um, get any use out of them this year. Plus the guardians play, they, they face five left-handers in their nine games next week. And, and Brennan being a left-handed batter, I'm not, that makes it even less likely he's going to play all of those games. Okay. Uh, Master Buoni. It's a little less clear what kind of player he's going to be speedy versatile i think super utility is his role but how many at bats that translates to particularly with the rays it's hard to say oh Uh, he did start to show a little bit of pop this year but i don't really think that's going to be his game yeah i was going to say so he's basically a tampa bay rays player scott (laughs) a super utility type that you know could put the bat on the ball he's got a little pop he's got a little speed it's just it feels like they're always finding these players. So, uh, just a few names to remember. Let's see. Maybe uh, if they all if they play over the weekend a bit, then you do pick them up in deeper leagues for the final stretch. Again, Miles Mastroboni and Will Brennan. And if it's more contact you want, Rob Manfred, I think we're going to get it at least on the Guardians between Brennan and Quan. And then you mentioned Sal Freela coming up with the Brewers, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later as well. Before we hit the break, I do want to let everyone know the schedule for next week. Of course, we will have four podcasts for you and we'll be live on YouTube Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. So we won't be around on Monday night. There's only four games on the schedule on Monday. So it feels appropriate to skip that day, if anything. And you will have an audio podcast in your feed Monday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and Friday morning of next week. Let's take a break and we'll hit the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. 
The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. Julio Rodriguez exited Thursday's game with that recurring lower back injury, and he will go for an MRI on Friday. Not great because, obviously, he's been so instrumental in getting people this far in either their playoffs or, or their, their roto standings high up in the roto standings and we need julio but uh, we'll see what happens over the weekend for him as a result uh jared kelnick well you know what kelnick was recalled even before this injury so it's not as a result but kelnick was recalled on wednesday and i guess he could see more playing time if julio is out and kelnick went two for three with his fifth home run on thursday it was an impressive one scott 108 exit velocity 427 feet for jared kelnick and it, I, it was I, it was at that launching pad I'll note. Oh, in Oakland. Oakland. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I feel like we've said this before, Scott. We need to see it happen in the majors, but he was playing very well since getting sent down. He had 33 games at AAA, uh, 307 batting average, seven homers, six deals, a 16% strikeout rate. That's exactly what we need to see. We need to see more contact for Kelnick. So he's 28% rostered. What do you think about him in a deeper five outfielder league for the final week and a half? No. No. no, we need to see it at the majors. Like yeah. his problem is the classic case of of trouble with the curve. You know, he can't hit a breaking ball, and I don't know how. It it, it just kind of got it just kind of slipped by on all the scouting reports. I don't think, I don't think uh, it it really became apparent until he started facing them with the frequency that uh, that players do in the majors. And uh, it seems like it's it's only gotten worse and worse with every return trip there. It is it is nice to see him cut down on the strikeouts in his most recent stint in the minors. But like it's it's not like for the majority of his minor league career, strikeouts have been a big problem for him. So ultimately, it's going to be uh, a sustained stretch of success in the majors that that makes Kelnick worth worth using again. Ronald Acuna was scratched on Thursday due to mid-back tightness. Trevor Story was finally placed on the IL with that left heel contusion retroactive to September 19th. And I would be surprised personally if we see Trevor Story again this season. Aaron Boone said Wednesday that the Yankees will go with a closer by committee approach. And I would imagine that includes Aroldis Chapman, Scott Efros, who was just activated, and Clay Holmes, who did pitch the ninth and 10th innings on... Thursday and he wound up with the win and he looked really good. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. That kind of makes me think like Boone is just giving himself an excuse not to use Holmes. If he, he feels like he's not feeling it that day, you know? Oh yeah. I said I was going to use closer by committee, but I, I do think he's kind of rooting for Holmes to recapture that role heading into the postseason. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I roll this Chapman pitched here on Thursday and he was not good. I think he recorded one out and he walked two. Uh, he, he threw 16 pitches, 10 of them are balls. He just, same old issues for Aroldis Chapman. Freddie Peralta could return this weekend against the Reds. He's been out since September 8th with shoulder fatigue. Santiago Espinal was placed on the IL with a left oblique strain. Mentioned Whit Merrifield in the lineup Thursday with a double dong. So hopefully he can get hot these final two weeks. Brandon Nimmo was removed Wednesday with left quad tightness and his MRI came back clean. David Bednar was activated by the Pirates and could be available in some shallower leagues. He's 66% rostered. 
Uh, what do you think, Scott? You're looking to re-add David Bednar if you need either saves or a relief pitcher in a points league? Mm, I, I I don't know in a points league that it's a huge priority. I would say if Jose Leclerc doesn't matter to you, I mean, I like Bednar a little more than Leclerc, but not that much. Okay. Ryan Nelson was placed on the IL with right scapula inflammation. Unfortunate because he was pitching well for the Diamondbacks. Andrew Benintendi is not expected to return before the playoffs. He's on the IL with a broken hamate bone. Seiya Suzuki is not expected back this weekend as he awaits the birth of his child. Yandy Diaz has missed three straight with left shoulder soreness, but did receive a cortisone shot recently. And hopefully he can get back on the field because he was mashing in the second half. Drew Smiley will make his next start either Tuesday or Wednesday against the Phillies will likely make his next start on Tuesday or Wednesday against the Phillies, and he was scratched this week with left shoulder fatigue. Mike Soroka was placed on the minor league IL with right elbow soreness and will be shut down for the rest of the season. We have not seen him pitch in a major league game since August 3rd, 2020, mostly because of the Achilles injuries that he suffered, but this stinks, Scott. I mean, obviously, we're rooting for the guy so much that he's dealt with the past couple of years. I want to see him back on the field. He was... Frankly, one of my favorite pitchers when he was coming up, Mike Soroka, and it's just kind of unfortunate that this keeps catching up to him. Yeah, I mean, it's not unexpected to have some soreness in the elbow after ramping it up again all that time away from the game. So I, I doesn't sound like the Braves are terribly concerned from a long-term perspective. They're they're treating they're treating Mike Soroka's finish to 2022 as a success, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be competing for a job next spring, I would guess. Trevor Rogers was officially placed on the IL with a left latch strain. He'll miss the rest of the season. Joey Wendell also placed on the IL with left hamstring tendonitis. I did have one other prospect note I wanted to mention, Scott. Sedane Rafaela, who is a prospect in the Red Sox organization, was named the minor league player of the year by Baseball America. And this season in the minors, he hit 299 with 21 homers, 28 steals, in 116 games between high A and double A. And I haven't checked to see how much he's rising in prospect ranking, Scott, but I would imagine it's it's going to be quite a bit. Again, the name there, Sedane Rafaela. Yeah, he's he's going to be on top 100 lists next year. I mean, he's already been added in in the ones that have been updating. Kind of a weird prospect. He's, he's short and he doesn't walk much at all. So the bat... Well, on the one hand, the bat really needs to come through because he doesn't walk much at all. On the other hand, he's like a tremendous defender in the outfield and can play the infield too. Like that's, I think that's where he started out, but he's moved to the outfield and is just outstanding there. So that that's going to to um, give him a higher margin for error. Did I say that right? Higher margin? Yeah. I don't know that he has. I, and I realize 21 home runs in 116 games. I don't know that Sedane Raphael has the raw power that's needed to be an impact player in fantasy these days, unless he's going to be like an elite base stealer, which is possible. I don't know. I have some questions about the upside for our purposes, especially since the defense is, is doing so much to boost his, his uh, prospect stock. But, He's clearly a prospect of note now and somebody whose name you should commit to memory. Let's get into our week 26 preview again. This is for the final week and a half combined. Uh, So every team plays between eight and 10 games over uh, the next, what will start on Monday through the following Wednesday, which I believe is October 5th, 5th, October 5th. Uh, So we're just going to jump right in and we'll start off with the sleeper pitcher, Scott. Who are you looking at for that? long week and a half. Well, before we get into that, I want to make a brief introduction here. We've, if you'll notice behind me, we have a new lamp here in the corner of our living room. Nice. Um, people like to critique our living room decor. They have, they have a lot of complaints about how we, we make up our living room here in the white household. And one of their complaints was the lamp. So, you know, apparently my wife didn't like it either. She, a big box came in the mail today and I was like, what is this? It was a lamp. <laughs> she unpacked it today and 
set it up and was giddy. She said, I love lamp, apparently. Nice. In her mind. She didn't she didn't say it out loud, but that's uh she loves she loves the lamp and hopefully you do too. Okay. So having said that, uh can you even see it? Uh we could kind of see it's it. It's like, like, a, like there's a throw pillow blocking it. Too many throw pillows, man. Yeah, there right, and do you want to go unplug it and just bring it over here and I'll just fill no, time in, in the no, meantime? No, you don't want to that's fine. Uh, okay. That's fine. I figured I Maybe. would offer, you know. Uh okay. So sleeper pitchers. As we already discussed, Hunter Green is on this list. Pretty much they're all two-star pitchers with one exception because it's probably something like 70% of all pitchers, if, if, you're, if you are treating the final 10 days like one scoring period, pretty much like 70% of all pitchers are going to be making two starts. So you, you should have a lot of starts in your lineup. So I like Hunter Green, obviously, with those two matchups. If it's not Pittsburgh in the first start, then it just means he'll be facing the Cubs twice, which is good either way. John Gray's looked good since returning from the IL, continues to build up innings. One good matchup of the two this week at Seattle. And he also has to face the Yankees, but I think John Gray's good enough with that with two starts, you should consider him. Alex Cobb gets the Rockies. Of course, that's in San Francisco because the Rockies are done at home after this weekend. And uh, he's at San Diego for his second start. And Alex Cobb has been really good for several months now. Patrick Sandoval gets the A's twice. Got to like that. Jose Quintana gets the Pirates twice. Mm. Got to like that. Uh, the one one-star pitcher is Nick Lodolo. He has a little shaky against the Red Sox last time out. Didn't get knocked around or anything. And, of course, we've been hyping up how well he's pitched lately. He is uh, at the Cubs, his final start of the season. So only one start there, but... Worth using, I think, if if you don't if you don't have a lot of studs lined up already. Uh, we talked about Marcus Stroman. His matchups are so-so against the Phillies and Reds, but he's among pitchers who are available in um, enough leagues to qualify for this list. Marcus Stroman is one of the better ones. The deep league special. I'm going to call him because he's only 10% rostered is Cody Morris, who we've highlighted a few times. Barely pitched in the minors this year and was kind of like getting stretched out again with his promotion to the majors. But he did go six innings in his most recent start. He's looked good this whole time. His matchups the final week are against the Rays and against the Royals. So two good matchups. Not saying everybody needs to use him, but he's 90% available. So if you're hurting... You can feel pretty confident Cody Morris is going to be out there for you. Uh, rounding out the list here, I have Bailey Ober, who's kind of a deeply special himself. He gets the White Sox and Tigers. Might only be a five-inning pitcher, but those are two good matchups. And I did, uh, I did put Jack Flaherty on here. We haven't mentioned him yet. He had his best start so far on Thursday. Uh, two earned runs in six innings, nine strikeouts. Also four walks. That was at San Diego. Velocity was up across the board. You know, you don't like to see the walks. I'm still not I'm still not sure we're ever gonna see Ace Jack Flaherty again. But his final matchups at Milwaukee, that's okay. And then at Pittsburgh. So we're at the bottom of the list here. It's not it's not the most it's not the most uh full throated recommendation, but Jack Flaherty didn't make the cut for the sleeper pitchers this week. I'll tell you what, Scotty, I do like seeing Cody Morris on this list because picked him up in Tout Wars last weekend. So I picked him up for his matchup uh, this week against Texas, which I believe will come on Friday. And then, of course, you do like those two matchups next week. I'm going up against uh, our guy here, Greg Jewett, in the finals of Tout Wars. Scott, I'm trying to go for the back-to-back championship, and uh, Greg has made a furious comeback against me, so I'm going to need all the help I can get. Uh, from Cody Morris and the rest of the squad. Let's get into the hitter matchups for next week. And the best matchups go to the Mariners, the Angels, the Reds, the Guardians, and the Blue Jays. And the worst hitter matchups, the Rockies, Diamondbacks, Padres, Braves, and the Rays. With that being said, Scott, your sleeper hitters for basically the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Gunnar Henderson... Oh yeah, feels like it feels kind of like cheating putting him on this list now. But he tex- technically qualifies only seventy three percent rostered. He just keeps looking better and better. 
and is eligible at both third base and shortstop. So there's probably there's probably a way for you to get him in your lineup. Maybe not in shallower head-to-head leagues, and that's fine. But everybody else should probably have him in their lineup now. Uh, Elvis Andrews, of course, is on the list still. Uh, I should I should mention for Gunnar Henderson, the Orioles are one of uh, how many teams have ten games? Just six, seven with ten games. One of seven teams with ten games. Okay. Uh, for the yeah, Elvis Andrews, the White Sox matchups are pretty good, and of course, he's just been on fire, even contributing stolen bases. Now we talked about Joey Manessis. The mass- matchups could be better, but whatever. He just he just keeps getting it done regardless. Uh, here's an interesting one. Luis Renjifo, of course, he's been on a roll lately himself. And I mentioned the Angels are at the final week of the season. They get the A's six times and the Rangers three times. But what's especially notice, n- notable for Renjifo, f- um, four of the nine pitchers on the schedule for the Angels are, are left-handed. And Renjifo this year is batting 338 with a 973 OPS against lefties. And he's versatile. Like I said, he's hot. It's going to be really easy for you to get Renjifo in your lineup for to to take advantage of that. His teammate Taylor Ward is here. He's having a really strong month of September as well, as you pointed out, Frank. I don't know that I have the updated stats, but I think he's hitting like 330 in September with a couple home runs. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez is here. The Guardians have good matchups again. Vinny Pasquantino is here because, of course, he is. Carlos Santana gets another gets a spot on this list for the second straight week. The Mariners actually have the best matchups of all, as you mentioned. They're one of those seven teams playing ten games, and uh, Carlos Santana's been, hit, been hitting a bunch of home runs lately. All right, I got a deep league special here too for the hitters. Kerry Carpenter, Tigers rookie outfielder, who. Is beginning to produce in the majors, kind of like he did in the minors. He is a left-handed hitter, I should mention. Only one left-hander on the schedule next week. I'm sorry, two left-handers in, in 10 games for the Tigers next week. So eight righties on the schedule. He should play a lot. And uh, he's homered four times in his past 11 games. Or is it 12 because the Tigers played today? They did they play? I don't today? think they did. So yeah, eleven uh, four times in his last eleven games. Kerry C- Carpenter, you know, probably want to consider it outside of deeper five outfielder leagues. But he's only nine percent rostered. So that's your deep league special. You said this person's name, Scott Vinny Pasquantino. Who is never that? heard? Never heard of him? No, no. It, he usually goes by something else. Vinny P, baby. That's, oh, all right. Now it all makes sense to me. Vinny P, baby. He is on the sleeper hitters for the final week of the season. And that'll do it for our, not not for, not for the podcast. We still have other things to do. But uh, basically our last schedule planner preview for, for the next week. Our next preview will be previewing the next season, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> we have all off season to do that. Let's get into some pitcher returns here, Scott. Zach Wheeler made a successful one. Up against the Blue Jays, he went four shutout with three strikeouts. Only had three swinging strikes on 58 pitches, so that was curious. But uh, everything else looked good. The velocity was way up across the board. His fastball was up two miles per hour. His curve was up two and a half miles per hour. Um, he did throw his fastball quite a bit. Did not use many breaking pitches in this one. But Zach Wheeler's final two matchups at the Cubs and at the Nationals. And Luis Severino returned on Wednesday as well against the Pirates. He went five innings, one run. Six strikeouts in that one. His velocity was also up 1.1 miles per hour on the fastball, 1.5 on the cutter, and his final two matchups at the Blue Jays and versus the Orioles. What did you see from those two, and are you comfortable putting them back in your lineup, Scott? Yeah, I think everybody should probably start uh, start them. They, you know, everything looked good for them in their return, which... I mean, Luis Severino actually got something of a rehab assignment. It, it had been longer since we'd seen him. We hadn't seen him since before the All-Star break, I don't think. Uh, so it was it was especially encouraging the way he came back. But, you know, just to put it into perspective, if if I was, of course, they're, they're too rostered, both Wheeler and Severino, to qualify as sleeper pitchers. But if I was ranking them along with the sleeper pitchers for next week, 
Wheeler would be number one. Then Hunter Green, my actual number one, would be number two. And then Luis Severino would be number three. So uh, only one of my sleeper pitchers is, is even in the discussion here alongside Wheeler and Severino for the final week of the season. All right, let's get into the rest of the pitching standouts, and we'll start with Wednesday. Scott, there was a lot of really good pitching over the past two days. I know I mentioned on, I think, Tuesday night that uh, pitching was kind of like scuffling recently down the stretch, but man, these pitchers just turned it back on. And one of those was Lance McCullers, who makes it three straight quality starts. He went seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts at the Tampa Bay Rays. Jesus Lozardo, double-digit strikeouts for the second time this season. Up against the Cubs, he went six and two-thirds, one run allowed, 11 strikeouts. Kevin Galsman gets back on track, six shutout innings with eight strikeouts at the Phillies. And Tristan McKenzie, awesome start. Eight innings, two runs, 13 strikeouts to zero walks up against the Chicago White Sox. The Guardians went in to Chicago and swept the White Sox. They now have a seven-game lead in the American League Central. Shout-out to the Guardians. They, uh, you know, they are getting it done down the stretch. So McKenzie, Gosman, Lazardo, and Lance McCullers. Scott, anything you'd like to add on those four? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, I wasn't sure what to make of McCullers at first. It was a pretty serious injury he was coming back from, and he didn't he didn't seem quite right. But he seems to be on track now, and he's he's always been slightly less than a must start pitcher in fantasy, but. But like right on the cusp of that. And I think, uh, let's see, did you mention his matchups for the final week of the season? I did not. So let's look at that real quick. Uh, Arizona, that's pretty good. And then the second one would be Brewers. Uh, the Brewers. Right? No, 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 not, not Brewers, sorry. Second one would be the Phillies. Let's see what I have them for, Scott. And yeah, Phillies. I have, yep, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, Phillies. So, you know, kind of middling matchups there. Right. Um, I'm not going to say he's must-start, but I, I again, it, it's another situation where I'd start McCullers over John Gray, who was my number two sleeper pitcher. So, uh, yeah, good, good chance you'll start him. Scott, I know uh, that you will be waiting on pitching next year, at least – you know, early on, your first two or three picks, maybe you're looking at hitters. And, uh, of course, because I'm like a mad person and this is all I think about, I'm starting to think about my strategy for next year already. I'm like, what What am I going to do? Like, what's going to be the optimal draft strategy in 2023? And I, I think I will also target hitters early and then target some of these, like, quasi-aces where they're not valued as aces, but they might have ace upside, and I think Tristan McKenzie just falls in that category. Oh, yeah. Zach Gallen is another one who, I mean, he probably is just an ace once again, um, and we'll get to him in just a little bit, but just some of those names that I think will go in the middle round, Scott, who have that ace-like upside, and I think McKenzie is one of them. Yeah, Tristan McKenzie, I talked about the Dynasty Stockwatch I wrote earlier. He was one of the risers, because I think he is... I mean, this was, as good as this star was, 13 strikeouts, 23 swinging strikes. He actually had a 14 strikeout, 25 swinging strike effort just like a month ago. So yeah. he's been, this This wasn't foreign to him. And while the fly ball rate like, makes me a little nervous, it's it's something I think he can navigate in this new environment. And that actually becomes an asset for him. So I agree, like starting pitching is... I mean, you mentioned Zach Gallen is, you know, you could call him an ace now, but he's an ace that I'll have trouble ranking in my top 20 at the position, you know, just because there's, mm -hmm. there are so many that I think have maybe higher ceilings than Gallen. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of starting pitchers to go around. I was actually ranking my first two rounds for next year. And that's another article you can find on cbssports.com. I, kind of just wanted 19 straight hitters at the top. Now, I was ranking specifically for 5x5 five five scoring for for like a Roto League. Uh, points League might be a little different, but uh, I, I don't really... I, I, my first pitcher doesn't come up. I, I, did, I did slot DeGrom in 18th one spot ahead of Vladimir Guerrero. I don't even know that I feel great about that, but it's kind of just a clump of pitchers there at the end of round two because uh, I just... I'd rather, I'd rather uh, that the high end hitting seems scarcer. And uh, 
harder to manufacture later in the draft, which, you know, for the vast majority of the time I've been playing fantasy baseball, that's been the case. It was weird during the juice ball era that, that pitchers were so valuable by comparison. Uh, and, and, you know, partly that was because home runs were so well distributed among hitters, but that's clearly, we're clearly coming out of that and, and back to a more traditional, uh, more traditional, the way, uh, how valuable pitchers are versus hitters. Other pitching standouts from Wednesday, Scott. Part two, Logan Webb gets done in Coors Field. He went five and a third shutout. Only one hit allowed, five strikeouts in that one. He did throw just 66 pitches. Uh, so I- I'm kind of concerned about how much volume we're going to get from Logan Webb or these final two starts. Robbie Ray put together another great outing at the A's. Six shutout with seven strikeouts. Miles Michaelis, another great start at the Padres. Six innings, one unearned run, six strikeouts in that one. And Blake Snell... Might be another one of those quasi aces, the way that he is (laughs) finishing the season. Put up a season-high 13 strikeouts over seven shutout innings against the St. Louis Cardinals, traditionally a team that has been very good against left-handed pitching this season. Velocity was up for Blake Snell. His last 15 starts since July 1st, 2.76 ERA, 1.16 whip. The the FIP, the XFIP, all lines up with it. 121 strikeouts over 81 and two-thirds innings pitched. 13.3 13.3 K per nine. Blake Snell, I had him as a bus coming into the year. It looked right in the first half. It has been dead wrong in the second half, Scott. Uh, what do you I know. think about he's He's faked me out two years in a row. I've written him off, and then he's come storming back at the end. So, I mean, that makes me a little worried that he's going to be bad to begin next year, too. And <laughs> Maybe. I'll lose all faith in him. But the 29 swinging strikes that Blake Snell got on Wednesday were a career high. Wow. A guy who's won a Cy Young before. And um, yeah, he was ra- he, he was proud of himself after the game for hitting 99. Apparently that was a new number for him. And uh, that's that's what he took away from this start, which maybe tells you a little something about Blake Snell, but that's fine. <laughs> he's, he's kind of an interesting dude. If you've ever uh, seen interviews with Blake Snell, he's, yeah. I'll just, I'll leave it there. Interesting is the word I would use to describe him. But nonetheless, he has pitched extremely extremely well since the start of july and i think he'll wind up being another one of those mid-round starters where exactly i don't know round five six some seven something like that and all right just load up on a few of those guys and hope like one or two of them hit and, and that'll help your pitching staff for next year thursday pitching standouts part one ja- jack flaherty i was going to mention but you already talked about him scott um jose barrios man fool me once shame on you but i feel like he does this over and over where he gets blown up. We're out on him. And to your credit, Scott, I'm pretty sure you said that you were just done with him anyway. But then he'll put together a stretch of like two or three quality starts. And I start to think, all right, like, can we get Berrios back in our lineup now? And then boom, he gets crushed again. Six earned runs over two innings pitched at the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, so there's one on the bad side and on the good side. Brandon Woodruff was lights out at the red. Six innings, one run, 11 strikeouts in that one. Uh, what do you think about these two, Scott? Berrios and Woodruff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Woodruff's been quietly great oh, yes. for a long time now. And uh, he's just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of, of aces. You know, after, after doing that exercise yesterday, plotting out my first couple rounds and, and some of the players I had left over that I know are going to comprise round three. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be able to get Woodruff in, in my round three. Like I'll probably be able to rank him there, but it's, it's going to be tough. Like that. then that's more the state of pitching and pitching versus hitting than anything about Woodruff himself. Cause my point is like Woodruff is still like a true ace. I feel like one of the more bankable ones. And, and yet I don't know that I'll be drafting him as early as round three next year. Uh, and yeah, Barrios, it, it would act, it actually been five quality starts and six for Barrios, but I got the ERA back over five with this start. Oh gosh, <laughs> absolutely brutal. 5.27 is the ERA for Jose Barrios. Scott, I think if you expand it to a third round, like if you're projecting the first three rounds, you should just go all hitters first two and then all pitchers in round three. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be, it, it'll that never would... happen, but. It's just well, a fun exercise. I, I do think that there comes a drop off in the hitter ranks where it's appropriate to start taking some of those very best pitchers. Mm-hmm. But 
if push comes to shove, I don't know that I personally am going to do that. I might just, my first five picks are hitters or something like that. And, you know, it depends. Obviously, haven't actually sat through a draft before, seen what everybody else is doing, but I could see it going that way. The last three pitchers I wanted to mention, Scott, Justin Verlander, another quality start at the Orioles, six innings, two runs, five strike, four strikeouts for him. Shane Bieber, just doing Shane Bieber things at the White Sox, seven and two thirds, two runs allowed, five strikeouts. And Zach Allen was awesome once again at the Dodgers. Eight innings, one run, 13 strikeouts, zero walks. Anything on these three, Scott? Gallon, Bieber, Verlander. Not really. All right. They continue to do their thing. Fair enough. And let's get into uh, just a few hitting leftovers that I have here. I was just looking up uh, Stephen Kwan, his post-All-Star break numbers. And let's see if I got this right. No, that's 12 steals. All right. Uh, he had a sock and a shoe on Wednesday. So Stephen Kwan has just been really, really strong here in the second half. Uh, batting 318, four homers, 12 steals. I get it. He's not a huge contributor. And look, he doesn't contribute much in power in terms of categories leagues. But in points leagues, I think Stephen Kwan is like absolutely a top 30 outfielder drafted next year. Just how much contact he makes leading off and obviously finishing the season as strong as he has. Uh, he's going to be really, really good in that format. Vlad Jr. and Manny Machado both reached the 30 home run threshold over the past two days. Uh, Machado went one for two with a sock and the shoe on Thursday, his 30th home run, his eighth steal. Scott, are you looking at the rundown right now? Yeah. Ah, so you see... <laughs> I was going to ask you... Oh, no, when... no, I don't know that I... I uh, all right, all right no, don't look at it. Don't, don't look at the rundown. When do you think Manny Machado's last stolen base was before... Thursday. I know he hasn't been running much. Uh, and it looked like he was at first. So I'm going to say it was in May. May 20th. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I look, This guy went four months without a stolen base. What? Yeah, it happens. That's I mean, Vladimir crazy. Guerrero has been the other way. Somebody <laughs> yeah. was trying to convince me on Twitter that Vladimir Guerrero is going to be a 15 to 20 steel guy next year. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, five to 10, uh, I, I think. I, mean, is generous, I, I, I have made the case that, you know, the rule changes are going to make stolen bases more accessible to everybody. And, and we'll see a lot more 20 steel guys. But if Vladimir Guerrero is among them, then everybody is going to be a 20 steel guy. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Glaber Torres, I wanted to mention, massive game on Wednesday. He went three for four with a double dong, and he has come back to life. I know he was slowing down there for quite a bit in August, but last 15 games for Glaber, he's batting 317, five homers, three steals during that time. Corey Seager extends his career high with his 32nd home run. Brian Reynolds finishing up strong. He went three for three with two doubles and his seventh steal. Last 15 games for him, 350 batting average, three home runs, a 959 OPS. And run, Randy, run. A Rosa Reina, really strong finish as well. He went three for four and picked up his 32nd steal of the season here on Thursday. Some bullpen updates, Scott. On Wednesday, we saw Kyle Finnegan pick up his 11th save. Alexis Diaz um, picked up his 8th save. Domingo Acevedo struck out one for his 4th save. So those... Three are all pretty widely available if you do need saves this time of year. Other names, not available. For the Astros, Ryan Presley picked up his 30th. For the Royals, Scott Barlow picked up his 23rd. And for the Padres, Josh Hader picked up his 34th save. He now has each of their last five saves. So very clearly, Josh Hader is back in that closer role for San Diego. On Thursday, Jose LeClerc picked up his seventh save, and he is 22% rostered. Scott, give me your... How many do I have here? Four. Actually, just rank them. Kyle Finnegan, Alexis Diaz, Domingo Acevedo, Jose LeClerc, if he needs saves. Jose LeClerc, Kyle Finnegan, and Alexis Diaz, Domingo Acevedo. <laughs> They're all pretty terrible teams, so it's not even like you could just rank them based on who's, who's the best because, again... They're all not good. For the Royals, Scott Barlow was unavailable. On Thursday, Brad Keller struck out two for his first save. For the Giants, Camilo Duvall picked up his 24th. For the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley pitched in the eighth inning with a two-run lead, facing the heart of the Padres lineup. He did give up a home run to Manny Machado. Giovanni Gallegos then pitched a ninth for his 14th save. For the Cubs, Brandon Hughes recorded just one out in the seventh inning, and then Mark Leiter Jr. recorded the final seven outs for his third save. 
For the Orioles, Felix Bautista got the final out for his 15th. For the Phillies, David Robertson was unavailable. Jose Alvarado picked up his second save. And for the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A picked up his league-leading 37th save. Remember how slow of a start he got off to, Scott? I think he had like two or three saves in all of April. He's just been lights out since. Yep. Yes. All right. Streamers for the weekend, we've got Friday. Javier Assad at the Pirates. Josiah Gray at the Marlins. Dean Kramer versus the Astros. John Gray versus the Guardians. Cody Morris at the Rangers. And Marco Gonzalez at the Royals. I guess the start for Morris at Texas over the weekend will determine, really, if he's a sleeper pitcher for next week. Uh, I would prefer to start John Gray against the Guardians. Uh, but Cody Morris might be my second choice. All right. On Saturday, we have Domingo Herman versus the Red Sox. Bailey Falter versus the Braves. Eric Fetty versus, just kidding, at the Marlins. Wade Miley at the Pirates. And Davis Martin versus the Tigers. I'd be tempted to say Miley if his last start didn't go so poorly. So I don't think I want to start any of these guys. I don't blame you. And then on Sunday, we have Luis Ortiz going up against the Cubs. Adrian Sampson at the Pirates. Jose Suarez at the Twins. Aaron Savali at the Rangers. And making his debut to the program, Brian Beowulf <laughs> at the Yankees. I think this group's even worse than, like, I'd, I'd, I think I'd rather start Wade Miley than anybody here. Mm. That's not saying much. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm intrigued by Luis Ortiz and Savali at the Rangers, but it is kind of dangerous this time of year. So proceed with caution. We'll make that our fortune favors the brave streamers of the mm. weekend, if you really need them. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.